uh, by Sir Conan, Sir Conan Doyle. And we're going to be starting at chapter four. And usually we get through about one to two chapters. So um, at the end of this chapter, I'll check in with everybody here and see how we're doing and see how everybody's hearing everything. So there we go. We got about 30 seconds more. So, no, that's, that's really not. This is chapter four. Sir Henry Baskerville. No, that's not where we're starting because we had already done that. Okay, so he just finished talking about the boots that he'd mislaid or had been stolen. And now, gentlemen, said the baronet with decision, it seems to me that I have spoken quite enough about the little that I know. It is time that you kept your promise and gave me a full account of what we are all driving at. Your request is a very reasonable one, Holmes answered. Dr. Mortimer, I think you could not do better than to tell your story as you told it to us. Thus encouraged, our scientific friend drew his papers from his pocket and presented the whole case as he had done upon the morning before. Sir Henry Baskerville listened with the deepest attention and with an occasional exclamation of surprise. Well, I seem to have come into an inheritance with a vengeance, said he when a lo the long narrative was finished. Of course, I've heard of the hound ever since I was in the nursery. It's the pet story of the family, though I never thought of taking it seriously before. But as to my uncle's death, well, it all seems boiling up in my head, and I can't get it clear yet. You don't seem quite to have made up your mind whether it's a case for a policeman or a clergyman. Precisely. And now there's this affair of a letter to me at the hotel. I suppose that fits into its place. It seems to show that someone knows more than we do about what goes on on the moor, said Dr. Mortimer. And also, said Holmes, that someone is not ill-disposed towards you, since they warn you of the danger. Or it may be that they wish, for their own purposes, to scare me away. Well, of course, that is possible also. I am very much indebted to you, Dr. Mortimer, for introducing me to a problem which presents several interesting alternatives. But the practical point which we now have to decide, Sir Henry, 
is whether it is or is it not advisable for you to go to Baskerville Hall. Why should I not go? There seems to be danger. Do you mean danger from this family fiend, or do you mean danger from human beings? Well, that is what we have to find out. Whichever it is, my answer is fixed. There is no devil in hell, Mr. Holmes, and there is no man upon earth who can prevent you, who can prevent me from going to the home of my own people. And you may take that to be my final answer. His dark brows knit together. His dark brows knitted, and his face flushed to a dusky red as he spoke. It was evident that a fiery temper of the Baskervilles was not extinct in this their last representative. Meanwhile, said he, I have hardly had time to think over all that you have told me. It's a big thing for a man to have to understand and to decide all in one sitting. I should like to have a quiet hour by myself to make my mind. Now, look here, Mr. Holmes. It's half past eleven now, and I am going back right away to my hotel. Suppose you and your friend, Dr. Watson, come round and lunch with us at two. I'll be able to tell you more clearly then how this thing strikes me. Is that convenient to you, Watson? Perfect. Then you may expect us. Shall I have a cab called? I prefer to walk, for this affair has flurried me rather. I'll join you in a walk with pleasure, said his companion. Then we meet again at two o'clock. Au revoir and good morning. We heard the steps of our visitors descend the stair and the bang of the front door. In an instant, Holmes had changed from the languid dreamer to the man of action. Your hat and boots, Watson, quick, not a moment to lose. He rushed into his room in his dressing gown, and was back again in a few seconds in a frock coat. He, we hurried together down the stairs and into the street. Dr. Mortimer and Baskerville were still visible about 200 yards ahead of us in the direction of Oxford Street. Shall I run on and stop them? Not for the world, my dear Watson. I am perfectly satisfied with your company if you will tolerate mine. Our friends are wise, for it is certainly a very fine morning for a walk. He quickened his pace, and we had decreased the distance which divided us by about half. Then, still keeping a hundred yards behind, we followed our ox. We followed into Oxford Street and so down Regent Street. Once our friends stopped and stared into a shop window, upon which Holmes did the same. An instant afterwards, he gave a little cry of satisfaction, and following the direction of his eager eyes, I saw that a handsome cab with a man inside, which had halted on the other side of the street, was now proceeding slowly onward again. There's our man, Watson. Come along. We'll have a good look at him, if we can do more, no more. At that instant, I was aware of a bushy black beard and a pair of piercing eyes turned toward us through the side window of the cab. 
Instantly, the trap door at the top flew up. Something was screamed to the driver, and the cab flew madly off down Regent Street. Holmes looked eagerly round for another, but no empty one was in sight. Then he dashed in wild pursuit amid the, amid the stream of traffic. But the start was too great, and already the cab was out of sight. There now, said Holmes bitterly as he emerged panting and white with vexation from the side of the vehicles. Was ever such bad luck and such bad management too? Watson, Watson, if you are an honest man, you will record this also and set it against my successes. Who was the man? I have not an idea. A spy? Well, it was evident from what we have heard that Baskerville has been very closely shadowed by someone since he has been in town. How else could it be known so quickly that it was the Northumberland Hotel which he had chosen? If they had followed him the first day, I argued, that they would follow him also the second. You may have observed that I twice strolled over to the window while Miss Dr. Mortimer was reading his legends. Yes, I remember. I was looking out for loiterers in the streets, but I saw none. We are dealing with a clever man, Watson. This matter cuts very deep, and though I have not finally made up my mind whether it is a benevolent or malevolent agency which is in touch with us, I am conscious always of power and design. When our friends left at once, I followed them in the hopes of marking down their invisible attendance. So wily was he that he had not trusted himself upon foot, but he had availed himself of a cab so that he could loiter behind or dash past them and so escape their notice. His method had the additional advantage that if they were to take a cab, he was all ready to follow them. It has, however, one obvious disadvantage. It puts him in the power of the cabman. Exactly. What a pity we did not get the number. My dear Watson, clumsy as I have been, you surely do not seriously imagine that I neglected to get the number. Number 2704 is our number. But that is no use to us at the moment. I fail to see how you could have done more. On observing the cab, I should have instantly turned and walked in the other direction. I should then, at my leisure, have hired a second cab and followed the first at a respectable distance. Or better still, have driven to the Northumberland Hotel and waited there. When our unknown had followed Baskerville home, we should have had the opportunity of playing his own game upon himself and seeing where he made for. As it is, by an indiscreet eagerness, which is taken advantage of with extraordinary quickness and energy by our opponent, we have betrayed ourselves and lost our man. We had been sauntering slowly down Regent Street during this conversation and Dr. Mortimer, with his companion, had long vanished in front of us. There is no object in our following them, said Holmes. The shadow has departed and will not return. We must see what further cards we have in our hands and play them with decision. 
Could you swear to that man's face within the cab? I could swear only to the beard, and so could I, from which I gather that in all probability it was a false one. A clever man upon so delicate an errand has no use for a beard save to conceal his features. Come in here, Watson. He turned into one of the district messenger offices, where he was warmly greeted by the manager. Ah, Wilson, I see you have not forgotten the little case in which I had the good fortune to help you. No, sir, indeed I have not. You saved my good name and perhaps my life. My dear fellow, you exaggerate. I have some recollection, Wilson, that you had amongst your boys a lad named Cartwright, who showed some ability during the investigation. Yes, sir, he's still with us. Could you ring him up? Thank you. And I should be glad to have a change of this five-pound note. A lad of fourteen, with a bright, keen face, had obeyed the summons of the manager. He stood now, gazing with great reverence at the famous detective. Let me have the hotel director, said Holmes. Thank you. Now, Cartwright, there are the names of twenty-three hotels here all in the immediate neighborhood of Charing Cross. Do you see? Yes, sir. You will visit each of these in turn. Yes, sir. You will begin in each case by giving the outside porter one shilling. Here are 23 shillings. Yes, sir. You will tell him that you want to see the waste paper of yesterday. You will say that an important telegram was miscarried and then you were looking for it. You understand? Yes, sir. But what you are really looking for is the center page of the Times with some holes cut in it with scissors. Here is a copy of the Times. It is this page. You could easily recognize it, could you not? Yes, sir. In each case, the outside porter will send for a hall porter, to whom also you will give a shilling. Here are 23 shillings. You will then learn in possibly 20 cases out of the 23 that the waste of the day has been burned or removed. In the three other cases, you will be shown a heap of paper and you will look for the page of the times among it. The odds are enormously against your finding it. There are 10 shillings over the case over in the case of emergencies. Let me have a report by wire at Baker Street before evening. And now, Watson, it only remains for us to find out by wire the identity of the cabman, number 2704, and then we will drop into one of the Bond Street picture galleries and fill in the time until we are due at the hotel. So that is the end of chapter four. Everybody doing it. Doesn't look like I have one person that's kind of popping in and popping out. Are you having connection issues? Because it's, it's saying the connection is unstable, which is not terribly unusual since I'm upstairs rather than downstairs.
I was having the same issue downstairs last night, so I never know. I'm actually going to be cutting this a little bit short because um, it is very, very warm and I'm having issues with connection and my voice is about to start getting out. So um, we will pick up next week, next Monday, um, chapter five, which is three broken threads. Okay. So I hope everybody has a good evening and I hope everybody stays safe and thank you for popping in and listening and have a good night.